All right, you're now tuned in to the follow-through with Clips and Drew, the True Players Podcast, episode 238. It's all tied up in the Boston-Miami Heat series. They're headed to Miami for game five. It's been an up-and-down series. We have no idea who's going to win it. And Maple Jordan and the Golden State Warriors are one win away from sending Luka on summer vacation to Slovenia. It's the follow-through with Clips and Drew. Drew, kick that intro music. What up, podcast world? What's up, everybody? You know what it is. You know where you're at. It's the follow-through with Clips and Drew. The True Players Podcast, episode 238. Uh, Drew, you're still living the Tahoe life. Uh, thank you for moving your uh, your your camera so I don't see the horrific mask behind you. You have the nice, the, the good-looking mask behind you now. <laughs> so I appreciate yeah, you doing that. I adjusted the angle for you today. Uh, also out of comfort. I got my, I got my leg, I got my feet up right now. So I'm living the good life. Yeah, I, I am doing well. Uh, I think I'm slowly becoming a mountain man. I'm, um, the beard, the beard grows at a rapid rate when you're, when you're you're high in the altitude It's something Mm -hmm. I've noticed. I have to maintain it a little bit more, but I'm, I'm letting it grow again. Um, you know, I think eventually, uh, I'll, I'll be just wearing, um, hiking boots, like just trail, trail shoes. Definitely. Pretty much everywhere I go, like those will those will be my nicest pair of shoes. Um, but yeah, things are going good, man. Things are going good. I'm looking at you know potentially buying a 1984 Jeep. You know, just like all the all the good Tahoe stuff that you do. Well, I'm seeing you on boats, man. Oh, you're taking, I'm on I'm you're, on boats. I'm on the lake. <laughs> I'm out here. You're living the retired life. I mean, you just got married, and now you're just a married retired man in Tahoe. That's true. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> uh, my days consist of uh, coffee, coffee on the on the balcony overlooking the lake, and then uh, you got to walk the dog, right? That that's still that doesn't go anywhere. And then look forward to like uh, early dinner and maybe some pickleball, the occasional jacuzzi. But yeah, I, I do. I feel like uh, I feel like I'm 65 now. I I, I skipped skipped light years ahead in life and it's good this is if i re- if this is my, what retired life is when i actually retire i'll be quite happy yeah that's a good life man and at least you get uh reception up there so you can watch the games uh i mean I, i'd rather yeah, st- wi-fi I wanna st- is the the lifeblood yeah it has to be i want to start with uh heat celtics right now because i i as of right now Going into game five, I have no idea who's going to win this series. The series has been so up and down. Everybody's beat up. You got Marcus Smart hurt. You got you got Hero hurt. You got Time Lord hurt. You got Tatum now with his shoulder. But the series has been so up and down. The Heat were up 20 in game one. And then the Celts lead by 34 in game two. And then the Heat go up by 25 in game three. And the Celtics get it up to 34 in game four. It's been nothing but blowouts. There's no heroics. There's no, uh, you know, magical last shots or anything like that. It's basically just one team kicking the shit out of the other one. And and last night was no different. I mean, the Heat come out shooting 0 for 14 to start that game. Extremely flat. The starters were horrific. Uh, the starting five shot seven for 36 combined for 18 points. Oladipo off the bench himself scored scored more than the whole starting five um, of that game. Uh, 
I just don't know what to make of it, man. What are you thinking right now with these guys? It's the weirdest, most strange conference finals series that I can recall. Like, and you know, we've had our fair share of blowouts in finals game in finals, you know, final series or Western conference series. Like that's okay. That happens, right? The one, one, one game will get away from a team, but for it to be so competitive in the, in the sense that it's two to two and then completely non-competitive zero of the games have been competitive <laughs> is the weirdest thing I could have ever expected for this series. Uh, and to be honest, it's fucking boring. This shit is boring. I am not enjoying watching this series. All you have to do, I guess the nice part is just watch the first quarter and then you can turn it off because whoever wins that first quarter usually is up by 25 by the end of the first quarter. And then you'll just be like, cool, I can go, you know, Casey's my, my, my wife's over here. Like, can we, do we have to watch this? Can we change, can it? We change? Can we change this? And I'm like, it's, I'm like, there's two minutes left in the first. She's like, they have one point. They have with the Miami. He have one point. And they, we don't have to watch any of this. This game's over. Um, she's not lying though, Drew. She's, she's really not, not lying. lying. She is absolutely not lying. If it's we didn't weirdest, have to talk, if we didn't have to talk, if we didn't have to talk about these games, Drew, I would have changed it too. Oh, and God. I just would have gotten the highlights. I really would have. I mean, that's all you need to do. This is a perfect, it's a perfect Instagram series is is the, the Celtics Heat series because all you need is one minute clips and you'll literally have the entirety of the game. And actually, you know, the most entertaining, I guess, most intriguing aspect of these games has been the physical play and then the injuries, right? Like that's the one thing where, you know, uh, you never want to see it, but that's part of why I feel compelled to watch the entirety of the game. I'm also trying to figure out, okay, like, is anyone able to light a fire under the ass of their teammates? Or are we going to get into a fight? Like, is there going to be some scrappiness, as we've seen in that series? Uh, you know, uh, occasionally from time to time, we, we got some guys that are getting a little physical. But I just don't have a pulse for it, just like anybody. Uh, like, I have no way to read who has the upper hand. <laughs> the only thing that I do know is that if it continues to trade off like this, the Heat should win the series because mm – -hmm you know, just by the way that math works, they won game one, they won game three, they will probably win game five. And then you have to assume they'll win game seven. I just hope that one of these fucking games ends within a 10 point margin of victory one way or the other, but it has not been fun, bro. I mean, even, even when you're winning like by 20 or 30 points as the winning team, it's not fun. It's just like, Oh shit. Okay. Let's, let's just get this over with. Let's move on. Yeah. I think, I mean, there are some interesting factors, though. You said the physicality, and which is so true, right? In Like in game three, P.J. Tucker was allowed to literally maul every single person that he guarded. Yeah. <laughs> and then come game four, they're not letting him do shit, right? And that's the imbalance of the, the officiating in yeah. all of these series that we watch. And I think it happens. And I, I told you how upsetting it makes me that we actually we have to actually look at who's refing the game to see what kind of game it's going to be when i think right. everything across the board should be you know refereed the same way but that's that's extremely difficult you know the stories for me are you know the injuries that you were talking about in game 3 which i the, the one time in this series that i got chills right Marcus Smart goes down with what looked like a broken ankle. I mean, you saw this, man. Mm -hmm. That was absolutely legit. Like, okay, he's done for the series. Has to be. Yeah. And then in true, you know, Paul Pierce fashion, comes back. And the crowd goes crazy, hits his first three. And I'm like, damn, that is inspiring. Wow, they're going to probably win this game. And then Tatum goes down with 
the the shoulder i didn't even see how it got hurt i watched it i'm like dude he's not hurt I, there was even a clip where they were zooming in on him and he looked up to, uh, like right at the camera and then i think he felt at that time that he has to go to the locker room right so he mm -hmm. goes to the locker room and then comes out again and i'm like dude this is a double this is a double, double beers yeah a double beers right and i'm like no way this is happening right now yeah. and then they end up losing the game i was telling you before we started the show like i really wanted to going into this series I wanted to do a thought out piece on players that potentially are overrated in this series. Right. I even was willing to check myself and all the talk that we've talked about Tatum being the superstar and stuff. He was even on my list. So before the series even started, I'm like, you know what, we're going to we're going to piggyback off of what we talked about on the last show when you brought up Jimmy Butler being a superstar. Right. And I'm, I'm not there yet with him. But then when you look at his numbers, you're like, oh, my God, those are those are insane playoff numbers. And he is a different player in the playoffs. But I'm like, OK, I think I can make a case for Jimmy Butler to be overrated. And then game one, he comes out and just absolutely <laughs> destroys Boston. I'm like, OK. I'm not going to do Jimmy Butler. I'm like, okay, how about Bam, right? I'll, I'll work on Bam. Bam can be overrated. I think he's overrated. He could be a little bit overrated. And then game three, he comes out, and I'm like, oh, shit. He's, he's a monster out there. I can't do a piece on Bam. So anyways, I've just thrown out all my notes and all my paperwork on this series because I have absolutely no idea what to call. I will say that the effort that the Heat put out last night was disgusting, mm -hmm. all right? And that it's the fewest first quarter. It's the fewest scoring points in a quarter. That first quarter in franchise history for for the Heat in the playoffs um, since since players were being tracked in 1971. It was it was horrible. And the fact that Oladipo can come out and score more than your starting five is just ridiculous. But the other part of the story is again. I, I never thought we'd talk so much about Al Horford, right? Al Horford was the anchor to that victory. And you look at the box score and you're like, well, he only shot twice and he has five points, but he had 13 boards and he had four blocks and they were big. His defense is, is, is great. He shows up in these big moments. He's exactly what these guys are looking for. And I, you know, I don't, necessarily think if hero plays in that game that Miami has any kind of shot I don't think hero is like a needle pusher I I, I think he could have gotten 15 20 sure yeah. but I still don't think that 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 was going to make any big difference I think losing Marcus Smart uh, is way heavier than losing Tyler Hero. But then you see guys like Derek White, who finally gets this starting role, hits the first seven points in the game and you think he's going to go off but a huge game from Derek White and um I just think Horford's been playing great. What do you what what's your take right now on on Big Al? I he I mean it's undeniable how well he's played over the course of this playoffs um and how important he is to the team. I mean, I think part of the reason why game 1 was as as you know, as bad as it was for the Celtics because they didn't have Smart and they didn't have Horford, right? And that those both were kind of surprises. I will say though the game three performance from Bam Adebayo was was really great, and I think it was also a little like eye opening potentially for the Heat because while Horford is great, Bam is like just a quicker version of him. You know what I mean? Like they're very similar in size, and you know Horford's a much better three point shooter at this point in his career, but they're similar players in a sense. Um, but watching Bam have that that like overwhelming level of success in game three, 
to me should have led the heat to the final, like the realization that like, let's get this guy involved more offensively because he was touching it in the great spots for him, right? Top of the key is a great place for Bam Adebayo to catch the ball. And I don't care if you're, uh, you know, uh, Al Horford or Grant Williams or, or Time Lord Robert Williams, you're going to have a problem with how shifty Bam is from the top of the key attacking the rim downhill. Uh, and he can, you know, he can go right or left. He can do a little pull-up floater thing. Of course, he can yam it on on top of your head as he, as he was able to do a couple times in that game three. Um, but to me, that piece should have unlocked something for the Heat that I was expecting to see in game four. Yeah, but that, again, just was not there at all. Yeah, but uh, Time Lord wasn't playing in game three. And then Time Lord comes back in game four, and you see what that guy does. Uh, defensively, he puts a little bit of fear in people trying to do those little floaters and whatnot. Look, uh, the Heat were out rebounded sixty to thirty nine. They were out blocked eleven to two. You know, and I think Time Lord is a big piece of that. That guy is huge for them. Um, and I was also expecting. Look again, back to the ankle of Marcus Smart. No matter what, if he when he came back in that game, you want to base that off of adrenaline and you're at home and you're going to come back and play, but damn waking up, you know how it is when you do an ankle like that, waking up in the morning and it's not the same thing. And I'm not too sure that he's going to play in game five. I don't think those aren't easy injuries to come back from, uh, especially the way that that one looked right. Yeah. I, I was shocked to see him out there. Um, I mean, I was obviously very shocked when he came back in the game, but you're right. You adrenaline can get you over the line in those moments it's the following days that you're like, Oh shit. Like mm-hmm. <laughs> my, my ankle, I can't put my shoe on, you know, that kind of thing, you know, can happen. Um, but it, it, to me, it's clear, you know, if I'm, if I'm trying to dissect like in particular for this series, the most important player for the Celtics is Marcus smart. As good as Al Horford has been as important as Tatum and Jalen Brown are, you can see when he's not on the court. I mean, and the 19 steals that the heat got in game three, Every time Marcus Smart is out of the game or not playing, the Heat are bum-rushing whoever is being the ball handler, whether that be Derek White or Jalen Brown, Brown. Mm-hmm. Jason Tatum, and they're forcing turnovers like crazy. Every time they get over the half line, like, you know, like that just getting it over the half-court line is a big deal. And then when they get it over, they're, they know to pressure the first pass, right, because they don't want the ball in their hands. Um, and that's, to me, honestly, part of the reason – that I think Peyton Pritchard should be playing more in those moments is because he actually is a point guard. He, he played point guard for his whole career in Oregon. Yes. He's, you know, not the most amazing or electric player, but he's a hell of a three point shooter. And I know that he can dribble the ball. Like if, uh, you know, if you're, if Kyle Lowry is going to pressure Peyton Pritchard, I feel much more confident that he can get the ball over half court and initiate the offense than I do Derek white, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown. Those guys just cannot seem to put it together. Uh, and they, and, and, you know, they, they almost get a little, you know, deer in the headlights kind of moments when they, that first turnover happens and then, oh, shit, they're pressuring me again. I'm trying to get the ball out of my hands. And that's that that would to me has been the most shocking aspect is because I, I would assume that by now. Tatum and Brown would have would have tightened the screws up in that particular element of their game. More so I Brown than Tatum, though, in my opinion, I think What's that? I think more so Brown, in my opinion, yeah. as far as the handles go. The thing with Tatum for me is that he just makes really dumb passes sometimes. It's like yep. sometimes he turns the ball, ball over on just dumb stuff. And I know he's smarter. He's too than vertical. That. Right. He's too okay. vertical. That's the that's the big with Tatum. He it's just the the ball is in the air for too long when he's dribbling. He's a tall dude. 
Mm-hmm. He just has to get down. And he, he never does. Uh, you know, I think there was maybe in his second or third year, there was some sort of breakdown of his verticality when he goes to the rim and like how much more successful he was getting to the rim when his shoulders were below a certain distance, like from the ground. And, and if they were above that, he would get pushed off his spot or he wouldn't, he wouldn't actually get to the rim. And the same thing can, could be said for bringing the ball up the court against the defender that's trying to pick your pocket. Uh, when, whether that's Gabe Vincent or Jimmy Butler, whoever the fuck it is on the heat, he has to be able to get down a little bit. It doesn't mean hunch over and bend over and, you know, dribble the ball like a weirdo, but like protect the ball, get a little lower to the ground, create some more surface area for you and use your body. That's, that's the nice part about being long is you actually can create some extra space with your shoulders, how broad his shoulders are and his arms to protect the ball. And he just doesn't do any of that. He stands way too, way too Mm -hmm. straight up. And you're right though. I think Jalen Brown should be the one tasked with bringing the ball up more than Tatum because he is, you know, a smaller player. Yes. But he's also definitely more of a guard where we all view Tatum as a forward. So I, I agree. I'm, I'm, I just don't know where to go with this series, bro. I, I want to call like who I think is going to win it. I would I love just, to just see a good game. Like, yeah, can one we see a good game, and then maybe we'll get some insight as to who the fuck is the better team. It's hard to call anything when when it, you just turn around and and whoever whoever's winning is up by twenty immediately. I just don't. I don't get it. I don't get it. Yeah, and again, coming down to the end of the season, we're we're in May, and people are going to get hurt. And this is physical. It's a physical series. People are just fucking beat up, man. And you know, I, I just think again, this we say it all the time. The healthiest team's going to be there at the end. And you know, if Lowry or Hero or Butler, if these things are going to still be ailing them, I think it's going to be difficult for them to win. I'm still pulling for the Celtics. I think they drop Game Five come back, win game six. And I think we're going to get a game seven back in Miami. Uh, And that's what I'm hoping for too, because it looks like on the other side, it looks like, you know, one, two, three Cancun for gold, like golden state could actually go to Cancun and be back in time and come back yeah, for the, for for the finals. They could go on a straight up vacation here in a minute. Do you want to talk (laughs) about that series or you got You got anything else for, for uh, Miami, Boston? Well, look, okay. So yeah, I'll, I'll end it with the Miami Boston thing uh, in this way. Like, I hope we get a competitive game out of this series soon. And that maybe hopefully this, this doesn't go to seven. So we don't have to wait around for all these additional games before the Warriors get to play whoever wins in the finals. But more importantly, in order for us to have a good finals matchup, I want this series to end. I mean, they're just dragging bodies across the floor right now, both the heat and the Celtics. So I would love for there to be one really good definitive game and then a second one, bang, bang, we're out, we're out the door. <laughs> it ends in six, one way or the other with two solid games so that we actually have <laughs> a somewhat of a semblance of the starting fives for both the Heat and the Celtics available <laughs> to play the Warriors or else we're going to be in for a shitty finals. It's going to be bad. It'll be quick. Walk their way right into the championship again. So yeah, my hope is, is that number one, we get one competitive, one competitive game. And then number two, we can get some healthy players on the court. Um, and, and this goes back to the, to the uh, Bucks Celtics series as one of my largest concerns for the Celtics. Just the physical toll of playing the Bucks and then playing the Heat in back-to-back series. It's, it, and, and, it's, and it's showing up immediately. Um, so anyway, I hope Marcus Smart and Horford and everybody on the Celtics can play. And I hope the same for the Heat. And I would just love to see a good goddamn 
one good fucking game, please. That's it. That's all I want. Let's is move there... on to the Warriors, which also has only delivered one good game. We've had a total of seven games played in the Eastern and Western Conference Finals. There has been one pretty good game. And Man, that was I'm... game two <laughs> the Warriors game Let, against let's... the Mavericks. Let's talk about that, man, because, again, my wishful thinking for Luca to come out of this and go to the finals is definitely <laughs> over. That's a wrap. Um, Luca's been great, though, man. Luca has been absolutely phenomenal, okay? But, you know, the numbers are out. They're two and six in the playoffs when Luca scores 40 or more, okay? Um, but on the other end, it's like him, Michael, and Wilt are the only players in NBA history – to drop 800 points in their first 25 games. Like we're, we're witnessing something really special with Luca and you guys, everybody knows this. This isn't like shocking news, but the stuff that comes out today, it, we've said this, it all depends. We know what we're going to get from Luca. It all depends on the rest of the dudes on the squad. And specifically we're talking about game, game three here. Um, Bullock and Kleber, zero points, right? Bullock, 40 minutes, 0 for 10, Field goals, 0 for 7 threes. Kleber, 25 minutes, 0 for 5 field goals, 0 for 5 threes. Yeah, Dinwiddie had a good game. Brunson had a decent game. Luca put up his 40 points. And then the talking heads, and well, not necessarily talking heads, but like Colin Coward comes out today, and now there's comparisons to, to Luca as now James Harden and Russell Westbrook. And I just don't think that's fair based on his usage rate, right? He's been the highest usage rate the past two years, and it gets even bigger in the playoffs, gets more in the playoffs. And we see that Luca has to have the ball in his hands. I get it. But Luca also distributes and these guys aren't hitting their shots. If they hit any of these shots in game two, actually, well, it'd be a closer game. And anyways, um, I, I just don't like the comparisons to Harden and Luca um, yet. Okay. I need a little more, a little more time with Luca to see how this goes, but he, he's been phenomenal. The Warriors are just, the better team. They've done this so many times, right? They're not scared when they're down 20 points. They have so many goddamn weapons on that team that could put the ball in the hoop. Uh, Kerr came out and said something, and we're going to, we're, we're going to give uh, Wiggins his flowers here in a second. Uh, but Kerr came out and said like one of the most important trades they've ever done is getting uh, Andrew Wiggins here. And, you know, after 2019, when they lost Livingston and you lose KD and you lose Iggy and you lose Clay, you know, you lose that defense and those wing, those wing guys. And Wiggins has just been a huge addition for them. And it's wild. And we're going to talk about like situational players, but Wiggins has always been this guy. Wiggins is, is a, a bona fide 20, 19, 20 points a game his whole career. Right. And some people are just uh, destined to be the second or third guy on the team in order to be successful, right? I don't think Andrew Wiggins, I, I'm not going to compare him to Lamar Odom, but Lamar was like this, right? Like Lamar was a really fantastic basketball player that could score the ball and do a lot of things, but he was not a good number one. And Wiggins is, is not that guy that's a number one, but being put in this situation with Golden State is the perfect place for Andrew Wiggins to be. And if you think about it, if you want to get technical about it, Wiggins might be like the fifth best option on that team right now. Right. And when Wiggins is your fifth or your fourth best option, that's insane, man. But you know, for the flowers part, 
for Wiggins is like, this guy's gone through a lot of shit. Number one pick high expectations. You know, some people said that like he, he didn't show up in big games. Sometimes you never knew he was on the court, uh, but he was always the scorer. He was always a very good basketball player, uh, but we're seeing how good of a defender he is too. I think even though Luca's putting up big numbers, I think Wiggins is playing him very well. Um, but it's just blatantly obvious that golden state is a much better team. And then, it's crazy to me to think that these guys are going to get back to the NBA finals, man, again. Right. And if you want to get super technical, this might be clay's sixth straight trip to the finals that he's played. Right. Right. Um, it's just a, it's a big Testament to that organization and the players like Steph and like clay. Uh, but, but also bringing up these new guys for this next version of, of the splash bros in Jordan pool and with Wiggins. And then like, isn't it funny? I don't mean to be rambling on drew, but like, you know, there's the MJ flu game, right. And then there's the clay game. There's the, the wilt hundred point game. And then you have game two, which is going to go down as like the loony game, right. The, the cave loony game where he just destroys the freaking magic or the Mavericks because, they, nobody can guard a pick and roll and nobody's down down low in the paint to guard this cat. So anyways, uh, th- this next version of the Golden State Warriors, I think is great. And I just think Wiggins um, and we're, we'll talk about the dunk here soon. I think Wiggins has been phenomenal and I think he's in the perfect, perfect situation for for him and for the Golden State Warriors. So let me go back to what you what you said about the Doncic and Harden comparisons uh, to me. I think the comparisons between Doncic and Harden jump off the screen the way that they play. Not necessarily in the way that they win or the way that they lead a team. That's fair. Or the way that they, you know, do certain things. And it's way too soon to jump on Luca as being down the line of Russell Westbrook or James Harden when we're categorizing them as good players that that pad stats that can't win championships which is what i'm assuming was the conversation when you're pulling those guys around i think the first thing that pops out that makes a big difference to me outside again outside of the way that they're actually playing the game because the way that they play luca picked up a lot of shit from harden and and if he didn't it's it's miraculous because he he attacks uh, he attacks defenses just the way that james harden did for all those years in houston but the component to me that differentiates them, especially in, when, in, in consideration for winning and in postseason success, is the fact that James Harden had a litany of all-star players. players and Russell Westbrook had the same and they did not get over the line, whereas Luca's best player throughout his entire time in Dallas has been Porzingis. And now probably Jalen Brunson. Jalen Brunson. <laughs> and so and and this is no shade to Jalen, who made very well turn himself into some sort of all-star here. I mean, the kid is fantastic. I love watching him play. And I think, you know, if he stays with Dallas or goes somewhere else, either way, he has a chance to continue to improve and make a name for himself. So who knows? Maybe we'll look back and be like, look at Jalen Brunson was on Lucas team. How did they not win a championship? But at least for now, that's not what we're saying. So that's the big discredit there for me. And, you know, whatever, I'm not going to bite that bullet until Lucas gone to eight years of you know first and second round exits with someone else uh at least close to his caliber on the same team okay yeah can we can we can't we just say that we both agree that the usage rate 
is perfectly fine for Luca because he has to, right? Like he has to have the highest usage rate on that team because he the doesn't offense have- is designed for him to have the usage rate Facts. that he has. And the I think I, I saw maybe it was this morning or last morning that Dallas uh, outside of Luca, they're only hitting thirty three percent of the shots that he's passing to them open shots <laughs> so mm-hmm. there's i mean he can't do he can't also put the ball in the basket for you it's i don't blame him at all and i don't ever i very rarely feel that he takes forced or bad shots and i think that's a major factor if you're if you're looking at box score you can go man he's shooting a lot and man nobody else is scoring so that must mean he's taking all the shots no that's not the case uh, very rarely do I go. That was a bad shot by Luca, and a lot of the times when I say that was a bad shot, it ends up with a fucking swish. Yeah, so we think I, that step back like deep three is a bad shot, and it's actually a, a good shot for Luca. It's so cash. <laughs> He's so good at it. Uh, so anyway, that's my thoughts on that. I think Luca's a hell of a fucking player, um, but he needs help, Drew. I can't he needs get, help. I still can't get over the fact that he's not on Phoenix or Atlanta. Whatever, it doesn't matter. Sacramento doesn't matter. Um, yes, he needs help, and okay, I think. So- I, Mavericks are working on getting him help. I know that Cuban realizes what he has. If there's one guy who who should be able to identify <laughs> what he has, how special Luca is, it should be Mark Cuban. Um, and I, my guess is he's trying to pull every string he can to get somebody in there that can help him. Uh, and and I think number one, it should start with locking down Jalen Brunson because then you at least have Jalen there, and then you can potentially trade him as a nice piece to get in somebody else that you might want to bring in for whatever reason. So. Moving now to the warrior side. Hold on. Can I say one more thing about Luca? Yeah. You know, nobody even talks about Tim Hardaway Jr. Factor here, right? A player He's been injured for a while. He has. And this is also a player that, that, that they're missing. Tim Hardaway Jr. Would be, would make this, I think make this series a little more different. Like another guy that can score. Now, I'm not so sure Reggie Bullock would be, is the best starting option, right? But getting Bullock to come off the bench, for Tim Hard- I just think nobody talks about Tim Hardaway Jr. at all. Being they flip-flopped not- back and forth through the beginning of the, first, of the regular season, the two of them. They couldn't figure out who was better because Timmy's not nearly as good at, on defense as Reggie is. And so, like, they go back and forth. Okay, Timmy would start. And then he had a – unfortunately for Tim, he had a, a really rough shooting year this year. He just wasn't hitting his normal stride like he was last couple seasons that got him that bag. And Reggie was shooting better, and then the injury happened, and then it just completely went Reggie Bullock's way. I still think – when they found the best rhythm, it was kind of like uh, Reggie would start and then Timmy would come in and light the fire on the second unit, start getting some shots up. And I think that was their best formula. And I think he actually found some good rhythm just before he got injured. But I agree. I think his presence, his confidence offensively, uh, which Reggie does not always have, mm-hmm. would be tremendous for the for the Mavericks. And just like the the what I mean confidence, like – I can, this is Timmy, Tim Hardaway saying this to himself. I can take this shot. I'm going to, I'm going to pull up right now, blow, or I'm going to take two dribbles and then pull up for a nice elbow jumper. And not, not a lot of that is being seen from any Dallas players outside of Luca Brunson and Dinwiddie. Those are really the only three that are creating their own shots in any capacity. Um, and then I do think that Bertans is, somewhat emergence here's a question been, for you drew here's a question very helpful for the Dallas. let's go off this really quick here's a here's yeah. a question i wanted to ask you today for the mavericks who gives you worser minutes on the mavericks bertons 
or my boy Frankie Smokes, Nicolita. Frankie Smokes. Frankie he, Smokes, worst minutes. In that game two, bro, when they were yeah. up, up 20 or whatever it was, and I texted you. You didn't text me back after this. I texted Drew. I think my guy Frank is the worst player in the NBA. Immediately when Frank came in, uh, Warriors went on their run. And you see Berton. Berton just drives me insane. I do not like this guy at all. Seeing him get a dunk the other night made my day. But worser minutes. If these are the guys you got to go to on the bench, and then even throw in Josh Green in this too. He's been horrific in the in the limited minutes. That he uh, don't, take it easy on my guy, Josh Green. That's no, Arizona. I'm not. A, bear I'm bear not. down, baby. Bear down. This, this, this encompasses the whole discussion that we're having about Luka. If those guys aren't scoring buckets or making – some of their shots, you're going to lose the ball game. We know what we're getting from Luca. Somebody on our page who's obviously a hater was like, oh, Luca's a selfish player. He's only in it for himself. I'm like, do you even watch basketball? This guy literally <laughs> puts it in the wheelhouse of every player on that team. Yeah. All they got to do is hit the shots. So yeah. in your opinion, you think Frankie Smokes definitely worse minutes than Berton's. Yeah, because Berton's actually hitting threes right now. As soon He's as hit Berton's one, Drew. As soon as he goes ice cold again, it goes, it swings back to Frankie Smokes for sure. But right now, Bertans, this is about as close to a heater as he's had since he was on the San Antonio Spurs. Um, anyway, moving to the Warriors now, I think Wiggins' performance in that last game could be like a career turning point. He hasn't had the opportunity to perform on the highest stage in his career, right? Uh, until this season, really, if you think about it. Um, now, I say that it could be a turning point for him, but I don't expect him to drop another 25 and 12 or 20 points, you know, 13 rebound performance in tonight's game. But I think the thing is, and maybe the most frustrating part about Wiggins is that we know he's capable of doing that pretty much every night, you know? But the value that he brings to this Warriors team, and it's something you touched on, is really more in his defense. And I never expected him to become the competent on-ball defender that he is right now for the Warriors. He is their best defensive player individually. He's better than Clay. I don't know what Iggy's looking like anymore, but he is definitely taken that, you know, that uh, that crown that ha- that was passed down from Andre Iguodala to Clay Thompson, um, and I and I'm I'm excluding Draymond from this because he's this is I'm talking perimeter perimeter defense. You know, Draymond is their best defensive player on the Warriors, but um, Draymond is always, as we know, always uh, help side and 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 guarding the bigs. When it comes to perimeter defense, that was Clay and Iggy. They always shared the load there, but. I can't believe how well he's done over the last couple of years, honestly, but in, especially in this postseason against pretty much every matchup that he's had to go against. He's very long. He's stronger, I think, than than he looks. At least to me, he's he, he seems to be a little bit more stronger, especially when Luca tries to like you know bully ball him a little bit, and, and Wiggins is like, "I can, this is fine. I can do this." Uh, so yeah, I'm very very impressed with him defensively. And to me, that actually shows how much he cares, right? He's not a vocal guy. He's, he's pretty mellow kind of a personality. Um, and so I think a lot, a lot of times when you have that kind of personality, it, it can lead people to think that you don't actually care 
but the way that he shows he cares to me is by playing hard defense every game. He might not, you know, he, he might go four for 16 or four for 20 or something like that from the field and, and just be like, man, what kind of a weird offensive performance. But then you look at him on the, on the defensive side, he's not really taking any possessions off and he is willingly guarding Luka Doncic, who is still going for, you know, whatever, 40 points, but he's making it hard on them. And I, I, I really, I'm very impressed with, with that. And, um, the point that you made about the the young warrior like sp- splash brother duo it, it makes a lot of sense like you can really see a path forward there's a future for this warriors team with you know if steph and clay right off into the sunset you have jordan Poole and wiggins right there i mean they're almost kind of like mirror images of each other like wiggins is understated doesn't say a lot call kind of a taller player good defensive player matches perfectly with clay thompson and pool is just like another version of steph uh he's more demonstrative he's uh you know more flashy uh it's it's amazing how they found these two guys that really seem to fit the bill yeah but then and, also and, include also include kaminga also include gary payton the second like their future is looking really good and, and well for, gp's 30 he's 30 years old but still I, yeah, I get what you're saying, but and, and Kaminga's not touching the floor. So this gives me to, this gives me to the point that I was going to say. I don't know why Kaminga's not playing. Is he injured? Are we? Is there something that I missed? Like, why is Kaminga not getting on the floor? I love seeing Moody on the floor. Uh, by the way, I think Moody's done quite well, and that was to me has been the surprise of the entire series is that Kerr is going Moody instead of Kaminga, and then when Otto Porter rolled his ankle or whatever happened there, I don't know midfoot or whatever that was. I was like, okay, Kaminga for sure. Like, we're going to see Kim- – no, still no Kaminga. So, it's weird. And I'm thinking – I'm hoping he's not hurt and that they're just trying to keep it under wraps or something. But it seems to me like you would want Kaminga to get on the floor to get a taste of this Western Conference Finals. I, and But, uh, you know, that's neither here nor there. And I then think you also I have think... to include James Wiseman in this too. Like, we always forget that they have yeah. this kid Wiseman. Just who's just sitting there and you know, who knows what will happen with him. Maybe he'll just turn into be another Greg Oden story, which would be sad. But you're right. The, the, the depth, the talent depth that they have in Golden State is something that I know uh, Bob Myers and uh, uh, Lacob, the owner, have outwardly stated they want to become the Spurs. They want to turn this franchise into – a 20 to 25 year powerhouse where they're in the playoffs every season and they're con- competing for a championship every year. And I think they're, they're actually on the path to do that, at least for the foreseeable future, they have to continue to build and draft well and make smart decisions and make smart trades. But at least right now the, the train is on that track, which is very impressive. Yeah. I think going back to your point about Kuminga, I, I think they he, he could be playing, but I think what Kerr's doing is just getting everybody ready for their finals team and who's going to be playing in the NBA finals to bring it, to bring it home. I, I told now that you're up three Oh, I don't see why not Kuminga can't get in there and give somebody else some rest, maybe give Wiggins a little rest and whatnot. And back to, um, give Draymond some rest. Yeah. Give Dre some rest. And, and you know what you were saying about, uh, Wiggins and defense is like when you come to an organization like Golden State and you're playing with defensive minded people like Draymond and like Clay, um, pe- two people that hold you accountable too on the defensive end. I think it makes you a, de- a better defensive player. And I think Wiggins never really had mentorship or le- even at, at 27 years old, you still need some mentorship. If you've never played with great players or a great organization, it's a whole new thing 
you know, thing that you have to adapt to. And I think you have to be, if you're playing with guys like Draymond and like Clay, you have to play defense. And I think learning from those guys has helped him out a lot. And we're seeing it, man. You're, you're, we're seeing it every, every single night with him. Also, he got a really great nickname after game three. Have you heard, have you heard Wiggins new nickname? Maple Jordan. Maple Jordan. That's How been great is that? for a long time, Clips. I didn't know that. That's 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 back to Kansas days. Oh, I didn't they, know that at all. Wow. They called him Maple Jordan in Kansas because he was the best. He wore number 23 and he was the best product out of Canada ever. Right. Like, I mean, number one overall pick. He, he was full ride to Kansas, one of the blue bloods <laughs> of the sport. Uh, yeah. He, so I think Maple Jordan, I believe, has been a, a name that he's adorned for quite some time. I know. uh Maybe maybe it doesn't go all the way back to Kansas, but I know it, it, it was there. It's been there for a little while, and it is a fantastic, fantastic nickname. I love nicknames, man. I don't understand why I've never known this. This is this because he was he played for Minnesota. Nobody called him Maple Jordan for the first six years of his career. That's right. <laughs> That's so true. All right, let's talk about uh, let's talk about the dunk then. Yeah, uh, the dunk that went viral, and it was absolutely amazing. I still don't think I'm going to ask your opinion. Uh, Wiggins over Luca. Or Jaw over Beasley, which was the which was the harder dunk, which was the better dunk in the in the playoffs. I have Jaw, and I own, I'm only really saying that because I have the moment. I got it. NBA Top Shot. Shout out to you. Uh, I made sure that I got that moment. Uh, I just in the moment of that game, and it being on Luca, I think it's. Uh, I still don't think it's better. I think it's jaw. I think it's jaw over Beasley, but, but it was impressive, man. A couple of those shots that we've posted on our page, like he's got that rock above the box, yo, above the box. And Luca, Luca had to give him his props after the game too. Like, damn, I wish I had bunnies like that. Yeah. Uh, and it's sneaky bunnies, brand. It's sneaky bunnies. How, how that guy gets up. I know we saw, remember when he dunked on cat on his, on his boy, he had that one crazy game yep. against Minnesota this year. And yes. I think he had three bang outs in that game and all of he them did. were like, Holy shit. Uh, so which one would you take? I mean, it's really hard to beat Western conference finals dunk on, you know, like the everyone's everyone's boy, boy King Luca, the future of the NBA. That's that one. That one's pretty solid. It's it's also just really hard to beat Ja Morant, who's like five inches shorter than you, who did virtually the same dunk, except he put his nuts on someone's forehead. He cocked that thing all the oh, way back. Oh, boy. Bro. I mean, <laughs> to me, I think the more impressive part of this dunk was the fact that Wiggins took the hit from Luca. Like, they took he took the body below from Luca, and then just, just kept – like, Luca fell way to the side, and he just kept going strong at the rim and, and finished, like – they're obviously different because Beasley tried to take the charge. I think wasn't that the case? Beasley yeah. went for the charge. Yeah. yeah. Uh, which did, did nobody learn from Kevin Love when <laughs> when John when they does anybody learn from this? That was the one learning experience for everybody because John missed it. John missed the, he missed the Kevin Love and uh, career ender. But uh, yeah, I got to take Jaw too. It just when you're six three and you jump like that, it's just it just it's so much more impressive to watch i mean look if if wiggins did the same thing on a 10 and a half foot rim then okay then we can have an argument but wiggins is six eight he's got like a seven one wingspan still an unbelievable dunk and and to me probably my you know there, this this is tough but it's probably the second best postseason dunk in the history of the warriors behind baron davis's kirilenko that's actually a better okay so that's month. a better question 
Who are you taking, yeah, that, BD over AK? Or I'm taking going? BD over AK because yeah. that was because like instead of Luca falling to the ground, Kirilenko was there. Kirilenko stayed with it, and then BD just yammed it on top of his head. And Kirilenko <laughs> is an elite defender. Yeah, right? yeah, exactly. It's not Luka. and yeah, right, yeah. And the moment, Darren Williams. <laughs> and the moment, right? It's the the team you're playing against, right? Yeah. yeah. And BD six one and a half, six I two. Still, I think the funniest thing about this whole thing, Clips, is I don't, I can't believe Luca jumped. He never jumps. He, he I never know. jumps for. I those. know. I know. He never jumps for. Those. I couldn't believe that he tried. And I think maybe I don't know what it was. Maybe he didn't know who it was, uh, but maybe he thought it was Draymond for a split second. It was like, oh shit, that's Wiggins. Um, because I just, I was shocked that he would even expose himself to that kind of <laughs> experience. I and, know. But, hold, hold on. I think more importantly for us to bring up is thank you referees for getting the call, right? Because that would have gone down as one of the most egregious, uh, calls that I would have ever seen happen. Like, I, I understand the initial react, like Luca was grabbing his face. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Initially you can call it that looked like maybe the off arm kind of popped him in the face and then he dunked it. But at, at least they got the call right. Um, and it should have been an and one. <laughs> I mean, if if it's not a foul on Wiggins, like if, if it's not an offensive foul on Wiggins, then it has to be a defensive foul on Luca. Uh, but anyway, they got the call right. And I, I want to say that because we do, we you know, we like to get on rest when they're wrong. And uh, I thought that was important that they got the call right to mention. Well, it's you you can't get it wrong when you go to the replay <laughs> board. Like wrong. if they came out of that and said that oh, it was not, I would I, I wouldn't know how to look at NBA basketball anymore. And we were all on our group chat with that. Yeah. And we all said there's no way it's not. And when you watch the replay, he literally has his arm at his side. Like he's and not even trying to send it at all. No, yeah. he's not even trying to push off on Luca. And mm-hmm. I think I think it was mid-flight where Luca realizes where he's at. <laughs> why am I under the rim? Why is Wiggins belly button in my face? Yeah. And then he's like, you know what? I'm probably going to have to sell this some way, right? Yeah. So then he does true Luca form, grab the neck, grab the grab the face, whatever. Um, I want to say something really quick that bugged me. Uh, and I know that our Golden State fans, and especially our boy Jeff Crompton, is going to be like, oh, Clips, you're tripping, uh, blah, blah, blah. That game three where, where Draymond uh, gets his technical foul early in the game, mm-hmm. uh, he should have been kicked out of this game. Yeah. It was all I kept saying to myself. And again, I, I I love Draymond. I know that that's part of his game. I know talking and being hype is all part of his game. And we know this. This is I, I totally understand. But there has to be some kind of line here. He was uh, like it was so obvious that th- he was bullying the referees, like yep. bullying the referees. And it's one thing uh, I read. You can read what they're saying. And he was being vulgar. He was di- directing these these comments to the refer- specific referees. I forgot who it was. But he kept getting away with it. And I think the refs are so scared to kick Draymond out um, during a playoff game, especially after, after that mishap with, with Cleveland and then him missing a, seri- m- missing a game because of it. But mm. I, thought it was, I thought he was bullying the referees. And I thought they were scared to call him on that second tech, which should have been called. And I think you had mentioned that 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 Van Gundy and, and Mark Jackson were kind of saying the same thing, but they let him get away with it the whole game. And I think there has to be a line drawn. Like we're gonna let you get away with some of this, right? You can be you can be vocal, you can be flamboyant, you can be that guy. But when the disres- when you're disrespecting us on national TV like this, we're gonna have to tee you up and throw you out. I don't I, I, I don't think it would have changed the outcome of the game 
if he did get tossed. But in my personal opinion, I thought he went a little too far and they let him, they gave him a long rope with that. What do you think about it? Am I wrong? No, I don't think you're wrong in this instance. Uh, I just, when I'm, when I hear you talking about this, like my brain just went to this conversation that we tend to have is like, okay, reputation versus reality. And where I'm going with this is like, we talk a lot about players like Draymond and Pat Bev and Boogie Cousins and those types of guys, Grayson Allen now in, in the mix, where if you commit a hard foul or you do something stupid, you're getting teched up because they know they know that's what you do. They, they're, they're watching for it, right? They're keyed in on it. But on the flip side with that, those same guys seem to be able to bend the ref's ear way more than any other like normal basketball player. And so I wonder if it balances out. Yes, maybe you get teed up randomly for weird plays because your reputation precedes you. But maybe because of that same reputation, these refs let you jaw a little bit longer. Like, because if I, 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 like Wiggins, for instance, a perfect example. Like if Wiggins was doing what Draymond was doing, there's no way any of those officials are not teeing him up. Like, boom, immediately, right? There's no way they wouldn't let him carry on like that. But for some reason, they did for Draymond. Now, more and, than, and I think the more than usual. Making, well, but the point that I'm making is sometimes it works in favor of Draymond, which showed out in that particular game three. And sometimes it works not in favor of Draymond. <laughs> but I just I, I, I also think it's important to, to note that because a lot of times we talk about the negative connotations of having that reputation. But clearly in this instance, at least to me, it paid off for Draymond to have that reputation because he was just, they were all letting him just talk, 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 talk the whole time. And, and he was not saying, you know, he was not saying, please, sir. Thank you, sir. Mm -hmm. Like with every sentence, right. Uh, we know that. Uh, so I just think it's interesting and I'll be interested to see what, well, cause the series is over. So I'll be interested to see like in the finals, like what, whether or not Mark Davis and, you know, like these old head, like the, you know, the pillars of the referee <laughs> NBA referee game will tell how much they'll tolerate that and what that fluctuation will look like. Um, because, you know, if it's the heat, they'll have a bunch of guys like PJ and Jimmy and Kyle and all those guys like to get into under the skin and they might have to really watch that stuff. But if it's the Celtics, maybe it'll be a little less hot headed other than maybe Marcus smart. But anyway, I just think, it is something to watch out for. And I don't have an understanding as to why he wasn't ejected from that game. And then he, he, he would, and then he was ejected in previous games. Like there's no difference to me, but I, I the last thing I'll say though, something I've noticed Draymond say a lot to these refs is when the refs try to pull away and they say, don't talk to me right now. Draymond always goes, I can talk to you. You're not God. I can talk to you. You're not God. And I, he just says that all the time. And I think it's hilarious. And Warriors fans will know because if you, if you watch enough Warriors games, you can read his lips. But it is funny, too, because if you're a religious person, don't you think you can talk to God, Clips? You're supposed to be able to. That's, what, that's the whole praying thing, isn't it? That's when the about? lines of communication I think are he, open. I think he needs to get, uh, you know, maybe work on that, on that uh, little metaphor that he's making there. I just it. I know it, it bugged me a little bit. I just I, I felt it's weird because I never I never feel sorry for the refs, and I just felt that that Draymond was that guy on the 
on the the recess field just bullying everybody and they're just letting him get away with it and i'm like dude at some point that you have to tee this guy up yeah. or draymond in the back of his head's already gonna know when this guy referees another game oh i'm i'm going all in right right um and but I, to what you were saying i do feel that draymond should be able to have a longer leash. You know what I mean? A little longer leash based on his pedigree, the, what he's done in the NBA, the three chips. Like, I get it. You should have a little a little leeway. And it's part of his game. So I'm fine with that. Did you find it weird? I don't know if you noticed this before that game three. Uh, all this, this the stuff with the Mavs getting fined for the players being on the court, which they were warned about numerous times, and they're still – uh, they're still doing it. So, and I'm not big. I hate when all the players that aren't playing are on the court. I don't like that at all. Um, but did you find that a little weird when the referee came up to Tim Hardaway Jr. before the game and asked him politely if he could change his shirt? Because he was Theo wearing... Pinson. It's Theo. Pinson. Oh, sorry. I thought it was. I thought it was my bad. No, Theo was the one that was wearing the white mm-hmm. uh, sweater, mm-hmm. and Steph passed the ball to him in. Oh. I think it was in Game Three. Or game two. It was one of those. And and I, I'm almost positive he did that on purpose. So Theo Pinson was a fantastic player at North Carolina. Shout out to uh, Tim Rummage and, and UNC. He, I, oh, I say fantastic. He was good. He was a good player at, at, uh, at Carolina. And he's made him, himself a career out of being the 12th man on every roster, Mr. Cheerleader. And he was on the Brooklyn Nets doing in the past. He's been, you know, he does it, uh, you know, for each team that he's on. He and I and and that's a, a very important role that he plays because he does provide some levity. He provides some encouragement. He provides some amusement and some camaraderie for the guys that are on the bench. And I like Theo, but he knew what he was doing. Hmm. Uh, you don't you don't rock a white sweater with blue markings on it, looking just like the Warriors jersey. Smart move. And stand there amongst the entire bench who is all in Mavericks blue in their, in their warm-ups. I, I will say this. I understand why bench players stand up. I understand it. They want to get involved. They're, they're there for their teammates. They're trying to do whatever they want to do. You now, I think there may be a rule coming very shortly. If you are not in a jersey or a warm-up, your ass needs to be seated on the bench or on the sideline if you're in your if you're in your team's warm-up right you have a jersey on you might potentially go into the game stand up that's fine you can do that from time to time until the refs make you sit back down and you know because that happens every game but if you are in street clothes (laughs) you should not be able to stand up (laughs) like right on the sideline (laughs) it's a you know, they, they make fans sit down courtside, you know, they make you sit down if you don't have like a drink or you're not like, you're just, you know, you can't just stand there the whole time. They'll make you sit down if you're uh, on, on the court uh, for certain moments of a game. I think the same thing needs to be true for, for the NBA players that are, that are on the roster, but that are just in the Jersey. Like there used to be a time where if you were not in a Jersey and if you were in a, suit you had to sit behind the bench yeah, remember that yeah, clips yeah of course this is a very easy problem to solve theo pinson needs to be behind the bench he's not coming in the game he's not hey, wearing a jersey he's not wearing a warm-up put him what? put him behind the bench with tim hardaway I, I know that steph threw the ball to him in that one game but yeah. then prior to game three was it was it theo that the ref went up to and asked to change his shirt i'm pretty sure it could have been timmy though could that's have been what timmy. i think it was tim so that's why i'm a little confused right now i get I'm I, I just a little confused on that, but I, I'm with you on that. You should sit behind the bench. And now that the NBA 
is super casual now and you can wear whatever you can wear board shorts and yeah and hats and like whatever you want i think there has to be a kind of a fine line because it, it can be confusing St- and steph doesn't make those mistakes like that he legit thought that that was his player right the whole time <laughs> i was like how is he how is he wearing that like right. what, how is that allowed like right. it just you know maybe maybe i don't know Maybe the, the sitting behind the bench or making them stay seated isn't isn't a realistic option, but but doing what the ref did before the game mm-hmm. is going to now have to happen way more often than it ever but, did before. But it's not a, you can't tell a guy to change his clothes. It's not a rule. You can't tell me what I what I can't I, what I can't wear white to my game until there's a rule involved. That's what like, I'm saying. If, I think that I think there needs to be a rule. Okay, because it's not. I mean, that turnover, while it didn't matter in that particular game, mm-hmm. could have very easily happened in an instance where it was a one point or, you know, a, a one possession game and Steph turns the ball over because he's trying to pass it to who he thinks his teammate is. Mm-hmm. But lo and behold, it's somebody on the sideline that's not, you know, I, I and so I think the interesting thing, though, too, is like now I'm thinking about this, like a lot of a lot of fans will wear home jerseys and and sit courtside. Mm-hmm but we don't necessarily assume that they're going to get the ball passed to them. A lot of times it's because they're seated though clips. And I'm going to, I'm going to go full circle, full circle here. Seated. I think is the, is the number one option. You just okay, you but- shouldn't be allowed to stand there. If you're looking like one of the players on the team, like in camouflage, if you yeah, will. there's a difference between Kyle sitting courtside, rocking a, a, a Steph Jersey and then a big, a big black dude on the sideline wearing those colors. So, I mean, I'd, I'd be hard. I'd be hard. I'd throw in the rock too. I definitely would have thrown it to him <laughs> um, real quick. I know we kind of get lost when we're talking in this series about, you know, how great Luca is and watching Luca, but it, you know, Steph has been absolutely amazing. Uh, we're it's like expected of him. Now he's putting up these crazy games, making these Steph crazy shots. The fact that he's getting to the rack so easy, uh, the way that he's using his body to shield to get those layups. You know, we were talking earlier about Wiggins with his long arms and 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 Steph has that same thing. And Steph over the years has really worked on his upper body, his shoulders. The way that he can hold players off when he's getting to the rack, making those layups is super impressive to me. But there was a stat that came out yesterday, and, in, and I hope you didn't see it because I thought it was insane. But how many playoff 30-point games do you think Steph has had? 30 point games, 30 point playoff games. What would be the number that, that you would put off the top of your head? What would you think? I, I think I saw this where Shaq had like 65 or something, 55. So I, 25, Steph of 25. Steph has 47. Nice. 30 point playoff games. He's 11th all time. That's um, great. Yeah, he just beat out Dirk, and he's right under Akeem. Akeem was the 55. Shaq's up there like 63. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I just thought that's so impressive, man. Thirty point so playoff impressive. game, so <laughs> impressive. Just put that, put that on the list. You is know, he put, the smallest guy on the list outside of like AI? They start. They started it with. They started it with Dirk, right? So it just went Dirk, and then it went to Steph. I have to um, imagine that he's the smallest guy on the list outside of Allen Iverson. How about the the stat that Draymond Green has more threes than Dirk Nowitzki in the playoffs? How crazy, wild is that? Another mind blown right and then you want to think about well how many times did dirt get to the playoffs i didn't i didn't do a deep dive he did a lot he got to the playoffs a lot not more than draymond though so more games you play obviously the well, better chances you have yeah, dude he played for 21 years <laughs> he did he did i they got to have they had to have been in the playoffs at least 14 of those years 
And Draymond, yeah, but in first round exits, Draymond only been in the league nine years. That's true. That's and true. he's it's a just, terrible three point shooter. So it, it's shocking, though. And I, I always think about Dirk, especially in these in these kinds of games. Like he's exactly what Luca needs, right? Like, <laughs> you know, like or or Kleba is doing, you know, had his moments where he was doing his best Dirk impre- impersonation. But really, like, if Luca had Dirk, <laughs> or it would, would be phenomenal. Or what if Luca had Porzingis right now in this specific series, right? But that's the thing is like Dirk is Porzingis is he can't even he's not even the same kind of. It, no, I know. I'm just saying you you said Kleber. Yeah. I think honestly, I would take Kleba over Porzingis right now. Yeah, I think I would too. But it, <laughs> and so I just I, I but I get the point you're making. Mm. And if if just if Kleba was just better, <laughs> but seven three seven three about. seven three is tough to guard too. And yeah, uh, well, no, yeah, definitely. Super if Porzingis would actually want to be in the paint and do something in the paint, he could probably be really successful in this series. It, yeah, but that's just not his game. Um, final thoughts, Drew. You got any final thoughts for me? Yeah, I do want to, before I jump into the final thought, I do want to piggyback on the Kevon Looney love. Talk about unsung heroes. We talk about them from time to time. That guy, he's made an entire career out of being the garbage man. And nobody buys his jerseys. And nobody wants his autograph. But I fucking love Kevon Looney. And I think every single Warriors fan loves Kevon Looney like that is the epitome of a team player he, the first time he scored 20 points in a game since college and you know the game before he has 21 rebounds I don't know if you can ask any more of a man and I sincerely hope they take care of him he's he's on a very minimal contract and and with some of the contracts that have been given to players that are not as good and and don't care as much I sincerely hope they actually give him you know what he deserves when his contract is up. So you know he's beloved after that game when all the players just were so excited for him, right? Like Jordan Poole was the most internally, yeah, on the team. Everyone yeah. on the team loves him. Right. Absolutely. I'm just talking about like because he, he doesn't get enough recognition. Right. He's like he's like the last guy you think of when you think about the Warriors. But yeah, I think obviously for sure the teammates love him. I think you know he 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 almost has like a like a mini Udonis Haslam kind of a thing happening uh, in with with Dub Nation. So anyway. I would love to see him finish his career with the Warriors, pay the man. He 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 won't need much. Just give him like 10 a year. Give him 10 a year, something. Give him six. Eight. Give him six. Six. I mean, shit. <laughs> uh, okay, so my final thought. Uh, it's going to be two parts. I'm, I'm breaking it down into two parts. I can't, I can't just do one. The first one is this. It's very short. The Van Gundys own the NBA, Clips. Why is that? Every night, every night right now, it's either Jeff or Stan Van Gundy on national television, breaking it down for us. And I'm here for it. I, I love, love them it. both. I absolutely love it. I really wanted Mark Jackson to get uh, hired somewhere so that Stan would get hired by ESPN and they would just have the Van Gundy broadcast. Ooh, and yeah. it would be just like the Peyton and Eli broadcast that we had for the NFL fans out there that, that watched it this year uh, with Mike Green in there it would be fantastic. But uh, it's short and sweet. That's the end of that one. Love it. Congratulations to the Van Gundy brothers. They took on the two of the least assuming... NBA head coaches that you could ever come across. They don't look anything like athletes took over coaching for the NBA for multiple franchises had relatively good success. I think both made it to the finals at least once, right? Van Gundy did with, or Stan did with Orlando. Correct. I know that for sure. Right. I don't know if Van Gundy made it with the Knicks or not. I don't think so. I know he didn't make it with Houston, but anyway, 
good, good coaching careers. Mm-hmm. And now they literally are owning the airwaves every night from five until 9 p.m. And it's phenomenal. So have they ever done them. one together? Have they done a broadcast together? No, because Stan's on TNT and Jeff's on ESPN. Be awesome. I know. That's why I, I, I eventually that'll happen. Mm. Part two. And this is where people can tune me out. Um, but I have to talk about my Liverpool team. Oh, God. It's been a uh, it was a rough it was a rough uh, Sunday for your boy. Mm. And I'm going to I'm gonna, again. I'm was this after this pickleball or before your boat trips? You had a really rough Sunday, Drew. Come on now. Yeah, when the soccer happens in the morning. So that's why it was a rough Sunday because nothing else happens before I watch Liverpool. It was the end of the Premier League season. The way that it works is they, they do it just by point totals, which makes a lot of sense. Um, regardless, we needed to win the game in order for us to win the league. And we needed the uh, like our, our biggest rivals in this season to lose. Uh, the team that was ahead of us, Manchester City. And we had two former Liverpool players that were playing and coaching against Manchester City. So it was working in our favor. Aston Villa is the team that has to beat Manchester City. They they go up to nothing, Clips. And I'm in I am in so much joy. Like I am I'm beaming. I'm beaming. All we have to do is score one more goal. We're gonna win the Premier League. And in five minutes, five fucking minutes total. Manchester City scores three goals, mm. wins the game, and doesn't matter what we did. We had a nearly perfect season this year, just as we have over the last few, and we couldn't get it over the hump. So it was a devastating Sunday for me. But the good news is, this Saturday, we get to play against Real Madrid in the Champions League final, something that Manchester City will never smell. Those fuckers... Take the Premier League title. That's totally fine. You want the big one. It's called the Champions League, and you're not there. We are there, and we're getting revenge against a Real Madrid team who purposely injured Mo Salah, the angel, the Egyptian god. (laughs) Purposefully tore him down, almost broke his arm when we played against them, whatever it was, two or three years ago. So we get revenge on Saturday. I need everyone that listens, that cares about me even a little bit, to just, in your head, pull for Liverpool. doesn't have to be on Saturday. Just at some point, if you listen to this, whenever it is, be like, oh, man, I really hope Liverpool wins. Uh, Because that's what I hope. And to be honest, it's been more intriguing watching those couple games than it has been this entire Western and Eastern Conference Finals. And that, to me, is is all I'm looking forward to this weekend. Because... uh, I just can't I can't depend on whether or not the Celtics and the Heat will actually give me a good game. Uh, so, yeah, anyway, that's my final thoughts on Looney, on the Van Gundys and on my beloved Liverpool. We're going to be rooting for you, Drew. We want Liverpool to win for you. Good. Uh, my final thoughts going to be short and sweet, too. I have a two part series for you, too, Drew. Part one of this. We've talked about it before, and this it needs to happen. It needs to happen next season. It's time to move the courtside seats back four or five <laughs> feet. It's time. We got players tripping. We got drinks spilling. Uh, game stoppage. I'm over it. Right? My cup holder idea still holds true, Cliff. I've already we, spoken. We just got to give them cup holders, bro. No, it's better than that. I've already spoken to my medical device engineer friend who's, who specializes in, in plastics. I hit him up. I'm like, dude, billion dollar idea. We need to come up with, with the cup. The, the, the unspillable cup that you can, the, that you can put a logo on the in lid. the front. 
it, something better. We, it's 2022. Uh, this kids, guy's a G. All these types of kids cups have this. Like my, you have my, to make my it niece a, and nephews have all these cups that can't spill. But you got to make it sexy and you got to make right. an adult version of it. So I'm already working on it. It's time to move it back. OK, it just really is people flying all over. Wait, the place. So you're, you're telling me with this with this cutting edge technology, mm-hmm. we, you still want people to move the seats back, even though they have this never spill cup. They they would have to, man, because look, even even those courtside seats, when the vendors are walking on the court during game, like you can't have that. We've seen LeBron knock over a vendor three or four times. Um, it's just it's difficult. It's difficult. And, you know, I, I just don't like it. We saw Steph uh fall trip the other day and i just it's very easy let's move it back one foot two feet players don't need yeah, to be it's not that easy when it comes to revenues it, we know those it, tickets figure are the most it expensive. out those those tickets are the most expensive that they offer yeah what, what it's gonna happen when steph curry uh tears his acl on a spilled on a spilled uh michilata i think okay? it, it might happen then i do i do or or if one of these fans is crazy like that gets courtside seats and is crazy and starts doing like trying to get on the court and, and, you know, mess with the players. Mm -hmm. One of those two things will change it, but then you have to redesign the whole stadium. You have to cut certain losses. I I'm with you, man. I don't want to see, I don't want to, there's no need for them to be that close. The game, the players are seven feet tall. You don't need to be three feet away from them. I totally agree. I just think if you can convert an NBA arena from a hockey arena to an NBA arena in under three and a half hours, there's a way for you to move the seats back a little bit. The okay? hockey rink is smaller. That's the thing, Clips. The I'm just saying. Smaller. It's it, Come on, bro. There's some innovation here. Just figure it out. I'm over it. I agree. I agree. I'm not going to argue that it shouldn't happen. I agree that it should happen. It, does, it needs to happen. All right. Second part. I know most people that either listen to the show or whatnot, if you have any money involved in crypto or stocks or uh, NFTs or anything, I know it's hard. Accounts are bleeding. You know what I mean? It's, it's, a, it's a tough time right now. But you know me, Drew. I'm buying the dip right now. I'm still extremely bullish on NBA Top Shot. And it's been rough, man. It has been absolutely rough the past couple months. But I'm staying bullish. I'm getting everything that I like to get. But there was an announcement yesterday that just got you know how you said you were glowing the other day it got this got me tingling inside so june 7th is going to be the magic johnson anthology drop and finally magic's coming to to top shot there's only going to be 1500 packs there will be a, a top shot debut it's it's four moments that magic has picked we have the baby hook which will be his top shot debut wow. which is he's got a couple of his passes and then he's got a game winner in there uh, there's only 1500 packs. You have to have 150,000, uh, top shot collector score to even get into the queue. Ask me what your boy has. 149, 152, your boys. Oh. In the queue. I will be in the queue. It doesn't mean I'm going to be able to get a pack, but I'm definitely going to be in that Do waiting. You think room. There's 150. There, how many packs? How many packs? 1500 packs. You think there's 1500 people that have that score or higher? There is. There's actually, I, my rank is 4,000. Wow. I'm ranked, I'm ranked 4,000th and I'm still top 1% in the right. world okay. on top. That's shot. interesting. That's well, then that's good. I guess you, that's pretty good odds, right? You know, that's, I uh, will put it this way, Drew. It's, it's a $400 pack, but you have a chance. It's called a loop pack. So you have a chance to get, so that, that top shot debut of magic with the, with the baby hook is going to be, there will only be 32 of those. It's a legendary ah, like that, nice. right. That right there, Drew is Jersey like, number. Well, yeah, there's only 30. Yeah, there's only 32 of them. You, you have a chance to either get 
two two of the moments are rares and two of the moments are legendaries. I only own one legendary. They're extremely hard to get, but a legendary Magic Johnson would change my life. And I'm just really happy that uh, that Magic is coming to the platform because I think moving forward, this is how they're going to introduce Kobe moments. This is how they're going to introduce Mike moments, you know? And I just want you, like, we're going to pray for Liverpool. Pray for me June 7th. Because yeah, I want I want to get in that and I want to get this moment. It'll make my make my day. And I know you would like it too if your boy pulls a Magic Johnson. Absolutely. And I might I might even have to have so they're doing the 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 premier queue, fifteen hundred packs. You you have to um have the one hundred fifty thousand collector score, and then they're doing a zero queue. There's only they're they're going to allow four hundred packs. So anybody with whatever score on Top Shot has a chance to get that pack. Uh, uh-huh. Whether you'd like to, to spend, I might, I might have to set an alarm. Well, you know, you know, I'll let you know, Drew. So, anyways, pray for your boy clips. We're we're gonna be back shortly. I mean, I, I think in the next couple of days, it's obviously gonna be the Warriors in the NBA Finals. Can Luca win one? Just get one for the books, Luca. Get one Western oh, Conference I, Finals. I think Luca will win tonight. I don't Tonight's? think they're gonna sweep the 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 Warriors. They seem to be the gentlemen. They're, they're going for the gentleman sweep. They're fine, right? They. They lost by 50 to the Grizzlies after they were up. So, you know, this could be just a nice, easy game. Uh, you don't think Kuminga. they want that week off? Let's get Kuminga out there a little bit more. Let's get Kuminga. Let's get Moody out there. Uh, is Jamal Crawford back? I don't know. Let's. Who else can they throw out there? Who's on the G League give team? Kerr, give Kerr some minutes. Steve, Steve, Steve looks ready to go. Looks limber. <laughs> I think he looked good. Kenny Atkinson? yeah get them in there man all right so follow through y'all we're gonna be back in a couple days we appreciate you screenshot let us know you're listening to the pod shout out to everybody that fucks with us we appreciate you uh and we'll be back in a week it's the follow through y'all we're ghost give me one good game miami and boston you know what it is you know where you're at this is the